Welcome to episode 66 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Zagari. And we have a very special episode today talking about Mining the Gap from 2018, a documentary that was nominated for Best Documentary at the 91st Academy Awards. It lost to Free Solo and didn't get any other nominations because it's very hard for a documentary to do anything else because it's not a you know, it's not a typical film you would see at the Oscars, uh, and they uh, basically made a category for movies like this to, to put them, we're, we're going to put them in their place. <laughs> and Mind in the Gap is the first documentary that we've covered on this show. So it's completely new territory for us. I don't have anything special or extra prepared for this because this movie has, it's an hour and a half long, but it has just miles and miles and miles of thoughts going through it and ideas and amazing topics to just kind of talk about. And I've seen it maybe 10 times now. I I first saw it on Hulu where it kind of, you know, kind of made its, you know, it's word of mouth. It got around in 2018 during the fall. Uh, It came out in August on Hulu of 2018. And yeah, during that fall, I remember people like, holy shit, this is one of the best movies of the year, you know, flat out. So I had to watch it. And I remember, remember vividly where I was when I first watched it and just kind of the chilling effect it had on me. And it still has that effect today. I bought it on DVD because Criterion put it out. It's a really, really cool case uh, of, of Bing and Zach and Kier all in the front. It's just, it's just gorgeous. And I'm very happy to finally do this. Cause I, I've always wanted to do something on mining the gap and this is the place to do it. Cause it was nominated for an Oscar. So on Oscar Sunday, I'm glad to, to show this movie to you through this show. Uh, done that a few times, but this is the most, most personal to me. Um, and I, I'm very curious to hear your general thoughts after watching it for the first time, just how, uh, how did you take it in? Was it something that you, latched onto right away uh or or is it something you're you're kind of done with after watching it um it was kind of a gradual process for me um at first you know we see them skateboarding and i'm like okay because i don't know anything about the skates the skateboarding scene i didn't grow up with that or having any interest in that so i'm like all right let's ride this out Uh and uh then it (laughs) takes a turn and it suddenly starts becoming about identity and finding your place in the world and coming to terms with your past and dealing with abuse and dealing with the fallout of abuse and just a, a, a world that I'm, again, not familiar with, but I know people who are. And it's a very touching story. And I, I was not expecting that. I was expecting this to be about like, you know, underground skateboarding. And I'm actually very glad you didn't tell me that it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You let me find my own way there. Yeah. And it is very, it's structured like a typical narrative. Uh, It's emotional. It's, it's real. And I just, I, I couldn't believe it. So, (laughs) yeah. 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 It's, it's pretty raw, pretty, it's pretty much it's in its own category of here's a snippets of very, very real life uh, with these young men, Bing Lu, Zach Mulligan 
and Kira Johnson. Those are kind of the three main players. And it, it just doesn't hold back. It just does not hold back one bit. And it's amazing what it accomplishes in an hour and a half. You know, this could be, this could be a 10 part, you know, series, you know, uh, it could be a mini series of some sort, but being decided to make this kind of, you know, feature type film inside of this, these skate montages and little things of from parties and stuff. It just adds up into this just perfect little mashup of an hour and a half movie. Well, I think that was really smart because I I know what I want to do with my time most of the time. And I think, you know, yeah, I could fill an I could fit in an hour and a half documentary here if a friend recommends mm. it. But if somebody recommends to me a 10-part miniseries, I'm gonna be like, well, I don't know if I want to have that kind of commitment. But you know, putting this into a I think he made it more accessible. Yes. That was smart. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it being on Hulu, you know, this this major streaming service where people are just gonna slip up on it. And like you said, you see that hour and a half runtime, you're like, ah, fuck it, you know. Yeah, uh, it it just kind of shattered the award circuit. Just kind of showed up over and over at the you know Sundance Film Festival, uh, of course the Academy Awards, all these different things that it just kept showing up at, and be- became this like cultural phenomenon where you have to see this movie about these three kids who are skateboarding, and <laughs> and that that is so cool. You know, uh, right around this time in 2018. Uh, that fall is when I, I uh, took you to see Mid-90s, Jonah Hill's directorial debut. I think Mid-90s and Mining the Gap is a great double feature, both very short, both accessible, uh, and, and very entertaining. And one of them is very much documentary, and the other one is completely, you know, fictional and has these characters that are kind of made up, and, but both super powerful. What Mining the Gap accomplishes, though, that's just way different than that is the identity thing that you pointed out. It, it forces you to kind of confront what you think about, you know, specifically Zach, Zach Mulligan. This guy <laughs> just like ruins me every time I watch this, this, this movie. His, his journey is very dark, very winding and turning and all over the place. Uh, at one point brings him, to Denver, Colorado, and then back over to Rockford, Illinois. And he has a child in the movie and his, his decision-making is you're like rooting for him, but you, you, you expect him to keep tripping. You're like, come on, man. Like, come on, Zach, come on, come on. Like you got this dude. Cause you see something there, you know, you see something that Bing saw and yeah. Bing Lou, uh, the director of the movie. And he's one of the stars of the movie and a very good skater you can tell that it's filmed by a skater. You can tell it's filmed by someone who knows the sport, who loves the sport, who participates in the sport. And that is so huge because there's so many skating movies that just, just can't quite do that where you're, you're inside of a skate video, the way it's filmed and he he's fucking good at it. You know, (laughs) right from the get go, the uh, beautiful theme music is playing. And you see these guys just fucking cruising down the streets of Rockford, Illinois. And it's like, man, that guy's the director. <laughs> you know, he's the, he's the director of this beautiful movie. And it works so well because he, he, knows the, he knows the sport. But he doesn't hold it over our heads. He doesn't 
you don't have to be a fan of skating. Like, like you said, you, you don't, you're not very familiar with the sport or you can be a huge fan. Like I, I, I'm a, I, I love the sport of skateboarding. I think it's really cool how it's more uh, culturally uh, appreciated and welcomed these days where it used to be this thing that people just got in trouble for all the time. Uh, it's, it, it's more accepted generally now. And for being to kind of catch capture that that part of the sport is is so cool on top of the identity crisis that these guys are all having uh dealing with you know abuse and relationships and working and all these all these massive massive ideas i i just i, I have i'm so excited to do it today I, I have so much to say about it every scene is is really important to me uh so we do have awards we're going to give out to the movie later on we're definitely going to take a glance at the 91st Academy Awards because it's awesome. There's a lot of really cool movies represented that year from 2018, but mine and the gap is my favorite. It's my favorite of all of these, you know, uh, including, you know, Roma and the favorite and all these awesome films, black Klansman. Um, what else? Just off the top of my head. Uh, stars born. Can you ever forgive me? Vice. Uh, da, 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 yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody eh. at eternity's gate. Uh, Cold War is awesome. A lot of really cool movies, but Black fucking Black Panther, fucking uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, both movies we've done on this show. There's none of them come close to like what Mind the Gap does for me as a fan. And so I'm I'm very excited to kind of tackle this this Academy Awards with that film. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's definitely one of the more uh, rare categories to kind of look at and observe, and we've never done it here which is why I don't normally I like to do something kind of fun to start the show off, but I think this movie deserves our full attention. I think it deserves, uh, you know, to be, to be broken down bit by bit. And I kind of want to start uh, going, I just want to go through each person and kind of get your idea on, on these guys. And, uh, you know, start with Bing Lu. Bing Lu, if you look at his IMDb, it's actually really impressive. He's worked on a lot of movies as a, camera assistant or you know in some some department dealing with camera work the guy clearly knows his way uh behind the lens and very much cares about it but he's also dabbled in documentaries and i think he's a force to be reckoned with he's only 31 right now and the guy clearly like wants to push some kind of you know some kind of a narrative that's just different than everything else. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what he, where he goes from here. Cause yeah, this is just three years ago. And I think, I think being, you know, Kier Johnson is now a like professional skateboarder. Fantastic. He's making money doing that. I've been following following him on Instagram ever since I watched the movie. And he seems to do, seems to be doing really well with the skating, but being Lou is, is a movie guy. He's now a movie guy. And, has worked on TV shows and, and all kinds of stuff. So what do you think of Bing and just kind of his approach and his control with this, this project? I thought that he was the right person to be behind this one. Cause I think Kier and Zach both clearly had their demons, but I yeah. feel like Bing, he had them too, but he's managed to channel that into this film. Like the scenes with him, like interviewing his mom. Oof. I mean, Jesus Christ, to look somebody you love in the eye and say, Why didn't you help me? I mean, I, I can't imagine 
And I liked how he, he did make this more about confrontation. This was about coming to terms with shit that they've been dealing with their whole life and never talked about. But skating was like, uh, Kier says it at one point, he says it's like doing this is like free therapy. And the skating was their only way to feel like everything was going to be okay. And they still have that. That's why they're still doing this. The skate, their lives are still in need of some release. Uh, and Bing captured that so well because this was his story too. This yes. was his life. And who better to tell that than someone who'd lived it? I, it was great. And um, he actually has a, a new one that came, a new doc that came out in June. Yeah. Uh, I haven't Paul seen that yet. Yeah. yeah. I've heard it's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I wish him a lot of luck in the future. I mean, he's an Academy Award nominated director now, which is fucking yeah. crazy. So <laughs> I think he's going to have some interesting things to say in the near future as a documentarian. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think he's like a borderline genius. The fact that he could ca- like catch this in his teenage years, you know, s- somewhere near the beginning of the film, we find out that uh, at one point Bing is 17, Zach is 15, and I think Kier is 12. So there's a pretty big, pretty big gap there. But he's able to, at that time, if I film everything, I'm going to get something out of this. This is way too interesting, way too amazing. You know, the, the, how, how honest these people are yeah, and how, and how just kind of convoluted and at sometimes terrible their lives are uh, just crazy intuition to be able to kind of see that at that age and, and then make a movie out of it in his twenties is so fucking cool. I love when the uh, skate shop owner is talking about Bing. And talking about how Bing used to come into the skate shop just to unload and just kind of like be there. But he's like, he was so quiet. He'd sit in the back, you know, he's like, and I knew there was some huge, massive weight on it, you know, on his shoulders. And he's like, I wish I would have asked him like what it was, you know, (laughs) he's at one point he said he thought he was gay. You know, he's like, he's maybe, maybe Bing is gay. And he's like, no, man, no, that's not it. There's something like weighing on this dude. That's just kind of like, they just become a part of who he is. And, and those little shots of him, like at the beginning, when he's like, you ready for some intense fucking shit? And then he does take one. And then when he's skating by himself and he's just getting angry and throwing his board, when he's talking to his half brother about their house and going through, going through the house, that's like one of the most haunting things I've ever seen. Like any horror movie just can't like stack up to that realism of two dudes walking through a home talking about the abuse they went through. And talking about just the, the day-to-day struggle of our, you know, our, our dad hates us, hates our fucking guts. And, and, and for Bing to go through that and come out on top and leave this piece of art yeah. is like, that's, that's fucking admirable. It, it's amazing. And so Bing lose a name, no matter what, if he never did anything again, when it comes to movies, I'll never forget his name. I'll never forget who he is because this is, this is that special. It's like, if you leave something like this, because you had that intuition to see this could help a lot of people. And, and it has, it helped, it's helped me just kind of like, Holy shit. It's okay to process that stuff. And I, yeah, I love him to death. I, I love his work. I, I can't, I cannot wait to see what else he does. 
and his and his camera work in this movie is bonkers it's like right from the beginning when they're when they're fucking uh you know the first shot is is zach climbing <laughs> climbing uh, and and cares like you know we always you know just kind of ignore the trespassing signs and zach's like come on we didn't see those you know <laughs> the way that's all shot of them going up the ladder and then skating and going into zach's monologue is like fuck <laughs> we have a we have a filmmaker in our hands and that's that's really special. I really appreciated the filler shots of the billboards. I thought oh. that was really smart, almost like, you know, chapter t- headings. It was yeah. it was really good. Yeah, he definitely has a style about him and he wanted he didn't want this to come across as like a 60 minutes interview. He wanted this to be a movie. Yes. Very good. With cool. yeah, with with shots that aren't just yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you. I think it sets itself apart from the typical documentary going from interview to interview to interview because of those movie-like shots. And even at the very end of the film, when we see Kier driving away as he's about to move from Rockford to, to Denver, that shot is fucking incredible. Uh, over, overhead the highway, like, well, I, I know my mind went to, well, fuck, he must have texted Kier, dude, let me know when you're leaving. I'm going to be in this spot. Let me know when you're on this part of the fucking highway and I'm going to get this shot. I'm going to make this happen because it's the perfect closing shot to our movie is you moving on, becoming a man, you know, becoming a full fledged, you know, member of society. So fucking cool to have to, to, to see that <laughs> is really, really incredible. There, there's a few shots in here that are just up there with the very best. Uh, Bing Lu is definitely a name. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to be seeing again, I think. Um, before before we get to the next two guys, Rockford, Illinois. What a what an American fucking fucking kind of weird, stuck in some different era city. You know, this the city's pretty big. Uh, it's located obviously in Illinois. It's like in the very very northern part of Illinois, and it it just has its own vibe i feel like i've never been anywhere like it but at the same time i I, like i know it you know i it just makes sense as they're as they're going through as they're skating through different places in downtown as kier goes to his job as a dishwasher as zach is is fucking working you know as a roofer on houses it just was familiar but also like a different 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 stratosphere and i i loved that i thought that was i thought the setting the setting is just as important when I first watched it as it is now uh, after watching it like 10 times. Rockford, Illinois is a, a place I'll never forget. Now it's a place I just want to, if I'm ever driving through there, fuck yeah, I'm going. <laughs> You're probably going to get mugged, but you do you. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're probably not going with. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I was born and raised in a town very similar to this place. Um, even as a child, you can kind of tell that you're in a dead end place, that you're in a place where nobody goes to, but everyone ends up. And okay. Okay. I like yeah, that. Not to disparage a shitty Maryland mountain town, but Cascade, Maryland is basically like the smaller version of Rockford. It's just, you know, same dead faces everywhere you go a general disdain for life and 
a, like for us, for I'm sure like with Rockford, like it was like a mill that put everybody out of work or something. Yeah. In Cascade, it was an army base that was defunct and so many people lost their jobs and it just never healed. And I got out of there when I was like 15. So I didn't spend like my, you know, formative years there realizing like just how even shittier this place was, but that, that the memories of my childhood in this place just keep kept coming back to me throughout the watch. And there's something about dead small town America that kind of defines this country. Like the cities that, you know, where the mines dry up, the the mills stop hiring and nobody leaves because they can't. It's, it sucks, but it really does paint a picture that we don't often spotlight, but it's the, it's the majority of this country. Yes. And I like that this film didn't shy away. It didn't paint, you know, Rockford as this idyllic place that, you know, these friends found each other. It was more just like these friends needed each other. Yes. To survive through Rockford. Yeah. 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 At one point, Kier is like, I don't want to just be fucking stuck here, you know, and I don't want to just be working some job stuck in this place. And that's kind of what these cities do geographically this is very much the kind of cities that make up the united states uh you know the chicago's and new york's and la's are very far apart from one another and but the the cities that connect those places from point a to point b are places like rockford uh it's the fourth largest city in the state of illinois 171st most populated uh city in the the entire country so it's just just kind of perfect for a movie (laughs) just kind of makes sense for a movie to be here. Uh, there are a few times where I thought, oh man, like a, some kind of heist movie in, in this, in this, in this city would be fucking perfect. <laughs> I feel like the bank has no guards. Yeah. No, be yeah. The exactly. Yes. Ever. It'd be the easiest heist. And, you know, you, you just get away and the only people that are trying to stop you are other people living in Rockford. Yeah. Neither has <laughs> no guards or no money. Yeah. And that's definitely um, a running theme. And that's something that's talked about in the movie is how the city of Rockford since 2010 has lost a ton of jobs and people are just kind of, just kind of moseying around. And when you're a young person, uh, a young male trying to, trying to find out what being a being quote unquote, being a man is all about. And you're stuck in this place that doesn't have anything to offer to you. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> that, that's some scary shit uh, when you're kind of looking down that tunnel of no one really no one really set me up. I don't know how to set myself up and the place I live doesn't know how to set me up. That's 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 really scary. And ultimately is the reality of, of most Americans. There was a line from uh, from Keir early on in the movie when he's talking about when he went to live with his dad. And it oh, was man his dad said that like told his mom, like he can get something from me that he can't get from you. Like there's stuff you can't teach him. And I was raised by a single mother and I've often thought about that. Like, did I, am I missing something? Like, cause I didn't have my father growing up and I got a little reflective. I won't lie. This movie, it got under my skin a bit. And that was one of the moments where I'm just like, is he right? Or am I right? 
you know, like, am I enough? I think I am. I think I have enough. Oh man. Um, that's really tough. Uh, my only Jesus, I'm going to start crying already. My (laughs) only, my only response to that could be your mom did a great job. I've met her. She's a great, great fucking person. And she has clearly strived very hard to make sure that your life is, is good. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful for that every day of my life. Is there so many people who had such a fucked up situation where they had, you know, just both parents didn't want them. And one of them got stuck with them. That happens so much. And I'm so, it could have been me so easily and it, it wasn't. And I'm, I, I, I'm thankful for that every single day of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you could, you, you could, you could harp on that. You could be like, no, no, I didn't have this part of me. I have this part of me. I wasn't taught how to be a quote unquote man, but I've never, never really heard you ever do that. I've never heard you make an excuse for the way you were brought up. And that's, that's hats off to your, to, to your mother and to your grandparents who have been, you know, your grandparents are, t- you know, a wonderful set of people, a wonderful couple, a partnership that is like, that's exactly what I hope I'm like. <laughs> I hope I'm still that excited to talk to people and to just kind of participate. Uh, so it's like, if one piece falls, the other pieces have to rise up. And it's like they did. It's like they met the task. They were like, no, this kid needs this. We're going to fucking make sure he gets it. And that is so cool. I think with Kier, he says that. And then Zach at one point says, cause he was just with his dad. And he's like, I feel like I missed something from my mom. You know, maybe it was something my mom could have given me. It's like, Oh fuck. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, like, no, none of them have it, have it right. None of them have it the right way. <laughs> and it's so, so fucking frustrating with Kier. He's, He's the guy in this movie. I couldn't understand how someone could watch this and not just be like, that guy is the fucking man. That guy has battled first off being black in America. He's battled dealing with a, you know, a, a loss of a father, a father who died when he was a, a, at a young age, uh, a mother who didn't really know how to, still doesn't i maybe i don't really know what she's doing now her name's roberta clearly didn't know how to date right was kind of choosing the wrong men to have around uh and then being in rockford all these things are just stacked against him like 100 he has no there's not really a lifeline for care other than fucking skateboarding and he uses that shit like he abuses skateboarding uh i think zach at times is like, he very much needs the sport, but care is like, like, this is, this is why I'm alive. You know, we, I do this, I do that, you know, I live each day, but the reason I stay alive, it's like, it's like in dead poet society when uh, Keating, when um, Ron Williams is like, yes, we need lawyers. We need doctors. We need all these people to, you know, to sustain life, but poetry and writing, you know, and, and romance. This is why we stay alive. <laughs> like, this is why we're, st- we, we, we wake up and we, there's a reason to find that next breath. Kier is like totally using and abusing skateboarding for that reason to just continue to the next day, to the next day. 
And he's like, how the fuck can you not like this guy? <laughs> he's so awesome. And he's hilarious. And he's out of place completely hanging out with all these white kids who have no idea what he's going through. No fucking idea. At one point, a guy throws some shit back at him. Yeah, like it's tough being, you know, trither trash white. And his friend, his friend steps up for him. Thank God for that friend. His friend is like, no, dude, like it's way harder being black in America than being you. Like, don't even fucking compare that shit. And Kier, I still, I follow him on Instagram. And like just the other day, he put up a post about his dad and about one of his friends who passed away. And it was this really long post. And he shared a song that he wrote. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. And he, he wrote about his dad and this guy, this friend that he had that are both not with us anymore. And I'm just like, I'm just rooting for him still, even, you know, outside of the documentary, I'm just rooting for that guy to, to just crush life. I just want him. I want him to just win, win every day. He, he goes beyond what movies can do for me. He, he, he brought me this real life, real life person that I can totally root for. You know, I, I love fictional characters. I love, I love fucking John Wick. You know, I love guys. Like I want to root for those guys. But when you give me a real life person who's just standing up and doing it every day, just everything stacked against them. Uh, those are the people I, that I, I want to root for. And Kier is at the top of that list. Uh, what was, I mean, he had, there's so much in this documentary that you, you could kind of, branch out on on his stuff you know with his brothers i was like what the fuck are those guys doing you know like jesus what's going on there when his his mother's doing the interview with bing and the boyfriend is like your five minutes is up all these things happening in care i'm like this guy deserves his own fucking movie he's it's all over the place it's incredible and then you you watch him skate man and it's like it's beautiful it's fucking art (laughs) it's it's gorgeous watching him just just ride this fucking piece of wood like he he has such an interesting style the way he does tricks is really cool is one of my favorite tray flips i've ever seen in my life uh i love that guy i love that guy and i i could talk about him all day uh if you had to point something out from his his journey because there's so much what what kind of impacted you because clearly with bing that moment with his mom is kind of like whoa but with Kier, there's like a ton of those. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of moments with Kier. Um, I'm gonna hold off because it's actually it's my my Roger Deakins. Oh, okay. So That's I'm fantastic. gonna hold off on that for now, but it will come up again later. That's fantastic. I I really liked uh, when they show him as a really young kid and he just fucking smashes that kid's board. He's yeah. like, "You want to fight me now, bitch?" <laughs> he's like, he's like twelve. And the skate park is like, it's like the jungle, you know, and you like, if you, yeah. if you're there, you're there and you got to part, you got to like, you got to be with it. You got to know the language. You got to know what's going on. Well, that right there showed the direction his life could have taken. If he hadn't had his friends, they all could have ended up in a much darker place if they didn't have each other. Yeah. And that's just, yeah, that's great. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, and then the fact that skateboarding is the, the yeah. connector. Because Zach and Kier, I'm not sure they would get along without skateboarding. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Uh, Zach clearly is someone that Kier looked up to at the skate park. And he says at one point that he 
got clipped uh, that there was there was a guy that was riding like a BMX and had pegs on the, on the wheels and like hit him in the stomach, hit Kier in the stomach. And Zach came out and was like, fuck you, dude, I'll fucking kick your ass, you know, just kind of defending him for like really no reason was just like, fuck, fuck, you know, fucking bike riders. We're fucking skating. Get the hell out of here. And Kier's like, I want to be I want to be like that guy. And it's like, had that not happened at a skate park, like, I'm not quite sure that they would have ever kind of aligned in life. And that's, that's pretty fascinating because you see as, as the documentary goes along, you see here kind of watching Zach, like what's happening to this guy. He's kind of unraveling. Well, as they grow up, you know, life kind of just grabs him and tells him, this is where you're going. And Zach, like, you know, he, he has a child at a young age. He's not prepared for that. The relationship was already kind of rocky. Yeah. And now it's, you know, it's built on intimidation. And that whole, that whole line though, like with Nina, I keep thinking like, who is the instigator here? Cause they are both clearly toxic and unstable. And yeah. I just feel so bad for this fucking kid. It looks like Nina did get her life on like back on track. And Again, that again reminded me so much of my own fucking parents. Uh, just, I mean, my dad was never abusive or anything, but he did just fucking take off and leave my mom with, you know, three-year-old me. And I just, I fucking despise fathers who do that, who just leave their child. And I wanted to like Zach so much. I kept thinking like, He's going to find his way back. He's going to, he's going to do the right thing. And he never fucking does. And yeah, he's in my fucking shit list. I, I can't, I can't, I just, it's such a, a despicable toxic trait in a man to do that. And I'll never, yeah. I mean, I love my dad, but I'll, I don't know if I'll ever forgive him for that. No, how can you, you know, uh, something that, yeah, just it, like, your your life is fucking real <laughs> and when something happens that's you know traumatic like that uh, you mm, I, don't, I don't know i don't know when people when people are like uh you know oh i you got to forgive and forget that's just that's just horse shit that's just horse shit that shit is going to be a part of you um it can either you know tear you down or shape who you are and build you up and make you stronger and i think with you know I think with Kier, in some senses, made him stronger. Like realizing, oh, I, I, I miss my dad now that he's gone, that he's, he's passed away. Now I'm thinking about the good things that happened with him. Uh, with, with Zach, we'll move on to Zach now. Uh, what a tough, tough journey. And I know, I know some Zachs, you know. I've met a lot of Zachs. And I think... I think there was a time where I, I thought about being a Zach, you know, you know, I think, um, I have a, I have a two, you know, I, my daughter's two and a half and I'd be lying to myself if I didn't think that there was a moment where it was like, I'm not, I'm not cut out for this. I'm going to have to stop drinking. I'm going to have to stop going out and doing this with my friends and I'm going to have to change everything the way I live. And, Luckily, I was raised very well by my parents. 
and I have a tremendous now fiance. And at the time, Brianna, my girlfriend, at the, uh, who obviously had my child, I had people who believed in me, who like really believed in me. Uh, and I'd put you, I'd put, I'd put, I'd put you in that, that, that list of people who just were like, dude, I'm like, yeah, you, you're going to be a great dad. And that's so important to hear over and over and over. Like you're, you're going to be a great dad. Oh man. Like you, you treat Willow so well. It didn't seem like Zach had one fucking ounce of that at all. It was just, it was just jokes and more jokes and more defense mechanism and more drinking and more smoking and more partying and more being stupid. And then that baby comes and he's just, neither one of them are anywhere near ready. And it, it is like so aggravating to watch that. Cause you're like, fuck y'all don't need to be living together. Y'all should just be separate. Raise this child, right? Elliot, Elliot, the baby is the one who's going to fucking take on, take on this shit later on. You know, he's going to be the one who deals with this as he gets older. And it, it is so difficult. This is the most movie thing about this. Cause it's like, how is this, how is this real between Zach and Nina and, and the baby Elliot? And thank God for that aunt and uncle, uh, Nina's aunt and uncle who kind of just saved her. Yeah. Because without those, yeah, without those people, man, um, you just, without that encouragement, without that reassurance, and you already have your own demons. Like you're just going to fail. You're going to fail. And it's going to be very hard. You can't do it alone. You just can't. Uh, you have to have people kind of pushing you and rooting for you. And it seemed like Zach wasn't rooting for himself and didn't have people around him saying like, you got this man. He just, he just kept, uh, kept wanting more. He says that towards the beginning where he's, uh, they show a shot of him shotgunning a PBR uh, and he says, there, I always wanted something more out of life. Always wanted more of wherever I was. Man, it's fucking wild. Whew. Well, yeah. Uh, first of all, I just want to say the fact that you did stay, the fact that you did like be a father to Willow, it it showed me your true character and it makes me very happy every day to be your friend. It really does. Um, Thank you. <laughs> you're a good man and a good person. And I'm very glad to know you. Um, and yeah, if Zach had that kind of encouragement, that kind of support system, maybe things would have turned out differently. You I think you so. need that you need people to remind you that you're capable of more than you think you are. If you don't have that, you're, you're going to start to think you're worth less than you are. And that's what happened. Exactly. To Zach. He started thinking like, this is all I'm capable of. And that, fucked up a few lives yeah including including his own yeah uh and you know this documentary of course is three years old uh it is very hard to find information on where he's at now and what's going on with him uh Kier, it's pretty easy he's skating a lot has a lot of a lot of skate uh content out there being is obviously very busy it's hard to find information about zach it's hard to find out exactly what's going on. And that, that just makes me worry um, because I still, as much as he's kind of like the villain of this documentary and especially towards the end when he starts opening up about like how he, he admits he was being abusive. Yeah. That should just tell you, okay, fuck this guy. There's still somewhere in me because I fucking know people like him. 
I still like, I still want to see him succeed. I still want to see him overcome his demons and, and win. Uh, there's a specific scene with Zach. Um, was almost my deacons. Uh, he brings Elliot, his child to the skate park. Oh. And one of his buddies holds him and he skates like he's fucking running. Like he's, it's, it's a lot of guys, a lot of my favorite skaters, like Paul Rodriguez, Sean Malto. Uh, those are some of my favorite Luan Oliveira. So, some of my like favorite classic skaters, skates, street skaters. They're very smooth and very like, it looks like they're not even trying. You're just kind of, just kind of riding like it's nothing. Zach has this like crazy wild style of skating where it's like, he's a, he's like attacking the ramp and he's attacking every single trick. And the way he moves specifically in that scene where he finally like gives the child over to his friend, like, Hey, hold, hold Elliot. I got like, I got to do this. It is, it is breathtaking watching him just shred that, that park. Cause you're like, Holy shit. This is the only place he feels comfortable. <laughs> this, is, this is the only, only place where his anxiety goes away. This is, this is it. I can't imagine being that just squeezed to have everything in your life be so fucking hectic and impossible where you need, like there's only one place you can go to even feel normal. That is a legitimate fear of mine. And I just, I, I feel bad for anyone who has that much stress in their life. Yeah. Uh, and I see it with, with you guys a lot. Uh, and I always try my best with this show to try to make this as stress-free as possible. I want this place, this show to be the skate park. I want this yes. to be the place we go to unload this shit. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we've done a decent job of making it a kind of a stress-free good place. Yeah. Yeah. 66 episodes into Oscar Sunday and obviously over 150 in on filmgasm and even more than that with all the those random ass bonuses we were doing way back in the day you and i yeah uh sneak sneak previews on like 30 something 36 this week <laughs> yeah the giggle guys are on like 25 almost i just uh it's it it is a safe haven it is a skate park it, it is a place that i can go uh and talk about this shit you know talk about movies that just means so much to me or talk shit about a movie that I just didn't like <laughs> either, either way. I always feel, you know, when, when we say bye and we stop recording and everything's done and I go into the other room and I see Brianna and I see my living room and whatnot. I'm just like, yeah, like I, I feel right. You know, feel, I feel like that's what I was probably supposed to be doing during that, during that, you know, hour and a half or two hours, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's exactly what it is, man. This is this is very much uh, a skate park, and <laughs> I know specifically two members of of our kind of podcast team, Juwan and Andrew, both even bigger skate fans than I am. Uh, I know that they, you know, I I'll speak for them because I feel very confident. I know they need places to go and places to talk about things. Uh, and I know that skateboarding specifically us three can just sit down and watch skate videos all night and we'll all be totally fine. We'll be totally content. We'll be totally okay. And we can just be like, Holy fuck. Look at that awesome trick. You know, just be those classic dudes 
just watching skate videos. Uh, we can do that all night. And I very much, that's a bonding thing for us. And it's cool that it's almost kind of a, a symbol of what the podcast is, you know, is <laughs> just, uh, we just want to fucking talk about movies. We just want to talk about movies and see where it takes us. And with mind in the gap, it's clearly taken us to interesting places. Uh, last person I want to talk about before we kind of take a detour to the 91st Academy Awards is, is Nina. Nina is actually on the screen about just as much as uh, Kier, Zach, and uh, Bing. She gets a lot of screen time. She is absolutely fascinating. And I, I just wanted to like give her a hug a few times. Um, her journey is maybe the darkest. She says something that she says something in the doc that just like rattles me, just blows me away. And actually is one of my favorite lines from it's, it's very close to one of my favorite lines from uh, boyhood from 2014. Uh, so that's Patricia Arquette and Nina <laughs> who line up here in the movie world. Uh, Nina is talking about how she was someone's daughter, someone's sister, someone's significant other, and then someone's mother. And never had time to figure out herself. Patricia Arquette says almost that exact same thing. She said she does it in a very aggressive way. You know, I was she's talking to a boyfriend early on in the movie. You know, I was someone's sister. I was someone's daughter. I was someone's girlfriend. And now I'm someone's fucking mother. You know, like, what about me? (laughs) And and. uh, Women having to bear the child having to deliver the child is a 100% a way different experience than what the male has to go through. I've seen it firsthand. To me, Brianna is a uh, superhero with what she was able to do with carrying Willow for nine months and then pushing her out of her body is just like, it just blew my mind. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. And knowing that, I can't let her down. I didn't fucking do anything. I didn't have this, this thing in my stomach. You know, I could go hang out with friends. I could go do this. My appetite was fine. (laughs) She, she, she did that, you know, and there's no way in hell I'm going to let, I'm going to let her down after watching that happen. And Nina does this and is let down over and over and over and over so much so that she has to move in with her aunt and uncle, which is not an easy thing to do as a grown up, as an adult, you're like, Oh, I'm supposed to be with the, what the dad and we're supposed to live, you know, we're supposed to have a house and we're supposed to have a yard and maybe more kids and maybe we'll get a dog, you know? And you like start going down the line. But for her, it's like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to court so I can file for fucking child support. You know, what, what am I doing with my life? And ah, Nina just, I wanted to reach out a few times and be like, yeah, you fucking got this, man. Like, fuck him. Get out of there. You got this. Like, And she's just got a wild ride. I, I, I agree with what you said earlier. I think she contributes, obviously, to some of the toxic behavior. But as the woman, as the, the, the bearer of the child, she's just, it's hard to fault her, you know? Well, I don't, 
I don't have kids and I try very hard not to speculate on scenarios that I personally would know nothing about because I always end up feeling like an asshole. Um, but I, I do think you're right. Um, and your attitude towards women and childbirth, dude, like I'm Brianna and Willow are so fucking lucky to have you in their corner. They really are. (laughs) You're like my fucking hero sometimes, man. I'm goddamn. Um, and you know, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot on my mind because this, this fucking state we live in this, this fucking silly, silly fucking state of Texas. I'm, I'm quite, quite amped up a lot of the time thinking about do I really want my daughter to fucking grow up in this shit? Do I really want, do I really want the women around me to potentially be, this is, this is what it is. This is the facts of it. Do I want the women around me to be potentially six weeks pregnant and not have the fucking choice to do what they want to do with her body? Fuck that noise. Fuck that. It's bonkers. And when you see it firsthand, you see this is their choice. 100%. 100%. There's no fucking question about it. There's no question about it. And watching the movie with it, it's like, ah, God damn it. <laughs> this place, where am I living? This is like a fucking different world. It, it sometimes feels like a fucking sci-fi movie. It's, it's, it's absolutely fucking horrifying that this is even allowed that you can actually, like, the state can fucking put bounties on women's heads. Who are, who are trying to get an abortion. What the fuck happened, man? Like, when did this turn into The Handmaid's Tale? Why are we letting this happen? That's what, that's what Brianna, Brianna is actually, that's funny you say that. Brianna's watching Handmaid's Tale, like, for the first time. And she's I, like, oh my God, Texas is Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> I, I've heard amazing things about that show. I can't fucking watch it because it's going to upset me too much. It's too real. At this point, it's it, too it fucking is. real. I need some it shit is. to dial back before I watch that. Yeah, and it's a and it's a TV show, so you know you have episode, 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 episode. I can handle a movie about something really serious, but TV these days is very hard for me to to consume that. Yeah, Jesus, and I I love this state. I love I've I've made lifelong friends here. This is my family's home, but I am unbelievably disappointed in this state more than I've ever been, and more so that. No one seems to be giving a fuck. No one seems to be doing anything to stop it. That's what upsets me more than anything. Like the Supreme Court could give a fuck. They're loaded with a bunch of crazy idiots now. So I don't know what we do. I don't know how this how this goes away. I don't know. I I don't trust our leadership to handle it. No. All this is going to do is hurt a lot of people. This is going to be cause so many, you know, back alley and at home abortions that are just going to kill so many women. And I, I I don't they don't deserve this. And we, uh, it's, it's so hard to just not freak the fuck out every day. Yeah. 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 Cause you, you know, I, I'm with you. I, this is where I'm from. This is my home. This is San Antonio and the area surrounding it, you know, uh, including the city of Austin and everything surrounding that, you know, there's areas that I adore that I carry like I carry like in my heart <laughs> yeah. and uh, um, to, to kind of have to put that to the side and be like, no, this is what's really happening. It fucking sucks. And it, <laughs> it is, it's like waking up, you see something every day. That's just so upsetting. 
and so aggravating that you have to kind of turn off, you know, and that's, that, that shouldn't be the case. That should not be the case. And just, just being alive in civilization just should not be the case. Uh, and these are the thoughts that go through my head when I'm watching this movie, when I'm watching Nina go through this crazy ass journey. I'm just like, hats off to her, man, for keeping her fucking head up. That's crazy. She did, she she could have given up a long time ago. Yeah, you know, I just I just listen. I know this I, this isn't really connected, but it brought it made me think of it. I I I've talked a bit on Filmgasm. I don't know if it's come up on this show, but I'm a big fan of Dan Cummins' podcast, Time Suck. Yes, and hell yeah, fucking Dan Cummins, dude. <laughs> yeah, what a guy. Just, what a guy. We got to see him live in San Antonio a few weeks ago, and it was a fucking blast. Yeah, he um, was he was wonderful and spoke on some things that all Texans should hear. Yeah. yeah Freedomville. I, I believe in that 100 percent. That's what we should do. But um, <laughs> I just listened to an episode on Jody Arias and the murder okay. of Travis Alexander. Remember that whole story? Yeah. Yeah. It, and learning the facts. I do firmly believe he got himself killed because he knew this was a toxic relationship. He kept going back to the well. He kept bringing her back into his life and fucking with her head. And she had enough. And I'm not excusing the murder, but it reminded me of Nina and Zach's relationship. Just these, this toxic environment that they together create and how they need to stay as far away from each other as possible for either of them to even have a chance at a normal life. And Nina figured that out. And I I looked at her and I thought like she could have fucking snapped and killed him. And then all of it goes away. You don't have a child anymore. You're in prison. Your life's gone. And it just reminded me so much of that case. Like it was so close to being that kind of situation. And thankfully it it didn't. Yeah. And think about how many like teeter on that, you know, how many relationships out there. Yeah. Yeah. The fucking phone call, the the recorded, like, I'm going to fucking kill you message. Oh. Jesus Christ, that was like teetering on the edge of sanity. Just like one push in the wrong direction. And you've got three, potentially so many more permanently fractured lives. Yeah. Crazy. It really is just crazy. And this wasn't thought- written. None of this was written. This all fucking happened. Yeah. This all unfolded <laughs> yeah. over the course of the movie in real yeah. time. At, uh, at one point when they're trying to be more cordial, more cordial with one another towards the end of the film, he just like looks at her and is like, yeah, stupid bitch. And then she flicks him off. And I'm just like, what? Like, Jesus Christ, man. That's not funny. Like, that's not it's just just bonkers. Yeah, it, it the Zach and Nina stuff is, is its own movie. Kier's stuff is its own movie. Being Lou's stuff is its own movie. And for however the fuck they did it, they mashed it all into one for it to kind of make sense and for it to, to flow and for it to be super entertaining. That's the main thing is that through all of this tragic, you know, tragedy, the movie's still like wicked entertaining. Well, one thing, honestly, this is maybe want to do is more fucking docs on this podcast. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I was going to ask you, um, yeah. I meant to ask you at the top of the show, I meant to kind of ask you, I knew that, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of documentaries, mostly because I'm a huge, huge sports junkie. And with sports and music, I love, I love music to death as well. 
with those two things, documentaries are the most effective way to quickly learn about something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like uh, OJ Made in America, uh, The Last Dance, uh, all the 30 for 30 stuff on ESPN with uh, like the two Escobars, the Fab Five, Run Ricky Run, all those documentaries are just fucking wonderful. And then with music, there's been ones that have just blown me away. And I learned so much about the artist, whether it be good or bad. I, I wonder for you, I know you're kind of more uh, kind of starting to dabble more now. How is that going for you? Are, are, is it a genre that you're like, okay, this is pretty badass, Or are you kind of like um, picky and choosy? I'm 100% give it all to me. I want to learn. That's pretty much where I'm at now. Um, yeah. I obviously I'm going to gravitate more towards subjects that interest me, like, you know, of course. Mo- movies and music history and you know, yeah. political history things like that. But honestly, I just love learning new shit. And this, Me like too. you said, is the fastest way to learn shit. And I, I recently I've, you know, I, I watched Val, I watched Woodstock 99 on your recommendation. And I'm, I'm fascinated by how they are able to kind of construct a narrative while at the same time giving you the facts. And yeah, that's fantastic. I am definitely going to be seeking out more documentaries and really just kind of refining a whole new palette I'm excited to explore. So cool. I, I remember when we did If Beale Street Could Talk, I, I, I was like, hey, man, try to watch I'm Not Your Negro. Like, I, yeah. just try. Because learning about James Baldwin, one of the most important voices and writers in American history, learning about him is like, why not? <laughs> you know, <laughs> fucking why not? Uh, just listening to him talk. And watching him smoke a cigarette is like, oh, man, this guy. This guy's got a lot of stuff to say. And it's pretty much all spot on. And I wish that documentary uh, was a little more well known. Um, yeah. But that, that's just kind of the, you know, you're a horror fan. You understand. Sometimes the genre just doesn't always fascinate people. And I think documentaries, it has to be. Uh, has to be a special thing, like uh, like the last dance when it came out like a little over a year ago, and it's it's about Michael Jordan. So people are just kind of like, yeah, fucking yeah. feed me, you know, fucking feed me. And I enjoyed the hell out of that shit. But I I'll always kind of choose the thing that's a bit more obscure and a bit a bit more uh, underground. Yeah. And mind in the gap, mind in the gap kind of does does all that. <laughs> well. I've I used uh, so using Letterboxd, I was able to chart and I've seen 19 documentaries. Okay, uh, which is it's low. I know, I know. but no, that, you, you, yeah. but listen, you've seen like 3,000 movies, so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. true. I'm new to this. I'm yeah, I'm figuring yeah. it out. But I've seen you know, I've I, learned- like for me, I haven't seen nearly as many horror movies as you. So, like, it's just that's just the state of that's just that's just what's real. And I'm nowhere fucking near Caleb and Josh and horror movie numbers. Like we're all looking up to somebody, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Except Josh. He's pretty much at the fucking top of this. Well, Josh with a uh, Josh with like dramedies. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the thing uh, is though, you got to want it. And I don't think he does. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got, you got to want it. <laughs> um, but yeah, with, through Docs, like I learned all about. Um, I watched Milius. Uh, mm, mm. Tells the story of uh, little-known screenwriter John Milius, who 
never really got popular, but he fucking wrote Apocalypse Now and the yeah. USS Indianapolis speech from Jaws, among other things. Like this dude was a fucking storyteller. And then he had a stroke and couldn't write anymore. But this, this, the doc kind of chronicles his way back, his recovery, and also like his impact on the industry. And it was fascinating. I had never heard the name John Milius. And here I am learning all about this guy who was like had his fingers in so many films that I adore. And that's amazing. Learning that shit is so fun. It's so fascinating because then you've got like anecdotes and you can bring that shit up. Like when we do the inevitable Apocalypse Now episode, I'm sure eventually I'll yeah. be able to talk about, you know, this is Milius. And this is what I learned. And it's just it's nice to have that knowledge, you know, like, you know, Schoolhouse Rock said knowledge is power. Yes. Yes. I a hundred percent. I think being able to piece those things together is, is uber important when you're a big fan of storytelling and movies and books and all, all those things above. Uh, I, yeah, I, I love them. I love documentaries so much. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I've seen, seen a lot and, and, and I, I will mostly give that give that up to sports i've just seen so many so many basketball documentaries that have as a kid i was just intrigued by and i still watch them today like i i watched not too long ago uh lenny cook uh a documentary uh directed by the safty brothers uh-huh. and it's uh yeah the safty brothers are like fucking awesome right and uncut gems and good time and who knows who knows what what's going to come next for them? But they you know, they did this documentary on Lenny Cook, this guy who was like supposed to be the next or like was supposed to basically be be, be as good as LeBron James, and just not it just didn't pan out. And by the time he was in his mid twenties, he was like overweight and just kind of hanging out at home doing a normal job. And it's just wow. like what the fuck, you know? And the these things like are just you just never know what's going to like kind of floor you. And yeah. and with mine in the gap, I think it. I think it is that I've, I've, I've recommended this movie more than any movie I've, I, I've seen uh, because a lot of my favorite movies are, are niche are yeah. for a specific fan group. Mine in the gap. I just don't see, I don't see how you, you're a human being with a pulse, how you couldn't watch it and be like, Oh man, this is fucking, this is fucking gnarly, you know? And again, it's only an hour and a half. A lot, a lot of movies I like are, are longer and, can kind of push that two, two and a half hour runtime. This does not do that. It's just accessible. It's amazing. It's raw. It does exactly what documentaries are supposed to do. Teach, entertain, enlighten, and relate to you. You know, it does all of those things. And I, I love it so much. Uh, I can't believe it lost. <laughs> it lost to Free Solo at the 91st Academy Awards. That just uh, doesn't sit very well with me. Um, I remember watching the Oscars that night and just being disappointed a few times. Uh, of course, the best picture winner was Green Book. Not a huge fan of that movie. Uh, best actor went to Rami Malek, which is the worst performance of those five. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened that I didn't really like? Green Book won best screenplay. Not just not for me. But was then, that, you, but then was you, it the. The, the Globes of the Oscars where Peter Farrelly was like, you know what? Racism is bad and yeah, we got to stop Globes. it. Yeah. yeah, that was at the Globes and the Oscars. They're like, we can't let him do that. Yeah. <laughs> Not oh, again. my God. I get your hearts in the right place, but shut the fuck up, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because there's a time and place for, for things and there's, there's voices that, that should say things and shouldn't say things. And the guy who directed dumb and dumber me, myself and Irene, and there's something about Mary and shallow how probably shouldn't be the guy who's saying like, you know, big stuff about racism. <laughs> Prior to that, what, what was his like one, like there was one interaction in dumb and dumber where like Lloyd walks up to a, like to a black dude's like, Whoa, big gulps, huh? Yep. Well, see you later. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's your experience. That's here. it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That movie is, uh, I think green book is in my mind, I think it has kind of the, um, the Argo effect where when a movie wins best picture, you have it on this pedestal mm-hmm. and it's like, Oh, it has to meet these expectations. And when it doesn't, it's disappointing. And I think Green Book is just not quite there on a level of, I mean, the year after fucking Parasite wins. <laughs> like, Parasite is just a through and through awesome movie. Uh, it's, it's very rare to find somebody who just straight up doesn't like it. Uh, whereas Green Book is very divided. It's very divisive. There are people who can't stand it. And there's people who are like, oh, it's fine. I'm somewhere in between. I, I always... I'm always so fucking divisive whenever we bring up Green Book because you're making very, very good points that I 100% agree with. But I also really liked that movie. That's fair. I thought it was funny. I thought it was cute. I love the chemistry. I enjoyed it. But yeah, it's it's detrimental. I understand that. And it's and 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 if it wasn't a Best Picture winner or original screenplay winner, then maybe it'd be like, oh, it's fine, whatever. But the fact that it beat Black Panther, it beat Black Klansman, it beat The Favorite, it beat Roma, it beat Vice. Come on. <laughs> it doesn't make, doesn't make one bit of sense. Uh, fucking Mind in the Gap is better. Come on. <laughs> uh, but there's some great things that happen here. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron wins Best Director for Roma. Olivia Coleman wins Best Actress and gives one of the coolest speeches of all time. Yeah. Regina King wins Best Supporting Actress. Also a really cool speech. Uh, just a awesome, awesome performance as Sharon Rivers. Uh, Black Klansman wins Best Adapted Screenplay. Roma wins Best Foreign Language Film. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, probably the best Spider-Man movie ever, wins Best Animated Feature. We'll see. We'll see the new one that's Ooh, coming out. I don't might, know about that. The new one coming out might rival that. Uh, I, I, really, I, I really do think if you were to take away the preview that we've seen, the trailer... <laughs> I think Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse is the, the most complete Spider-Man movie we've ever seen. No Way Home has not only the potential to be the greatest Spider-Man movie ever, but maybe the greatest fucking superhero movie ever. <laughs> well, potential I here think, is un- yeah, unparalleled. I agree. I think that movie is going to do what superhero movies are ultimately striving for, which is to not just be called a superhero movie. It's to just be a good fucking movie. I think that movie is going to, I'm with you. I'm in the boat where I think it's going to be an event. I think people are going to get their ass in seats for it. I really hope so. Yeah. Uh, get that fucking vaccination and go see Spider-Man, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, it looks so fucking cool. But that, I'll never forget seeing that one in theaters, the 2018 one. It was just such a blast. I felt like a little kid uh, while at the same time having all the knowledge I have in my mind. So it was just kind of wrapping everything into one. <laughs> Great movie. Great movie. Oh, yeah. 
Well, Spider-Verse was so cool because I, I, first off, I'd never seen that animation style before. Yeah. It was neat. It told a story of a, a Marvel character who really deserves a bigger spot, spotlight in Miles Morales. You know, it's, it was so cool to see a multiverse Spider-Man movie that wasn't just aimed at kids, but like everyone, like it was a Spider-Man fan movie. And like I know my cousin, my cousin Miles is a young black teenager who fucking loved that movie because he got to see somebody like him as Spider-Man. Exactly. And also his name was Miles and he rode that high for quite a while. <laughs> I, I would ride that high my entire life. Yeah. My cousin Miles is a black Hispanic teenager, just like Miles Morales. <laughs> so it's he was beautiful. like, that's my guy. And, um, uh, I thought it was just a badass movie. I'm so glad it won Best Picture over Incredibles 2, which I didn't like. Uh, yeah, well well done. That's a fun movie. Yeah, yeah. I actually think Incredibles 2 gets like fourth place here. I think I Love Dogs is fantastic. And Ralph Breaks the Internet, for what it's worth. Pretty good movie. Pre- pretty <laughs> good movie. I think, I think Incredibles 2 is extremely underwhelming. And then uh, Mirai a Japanese movie that I have yet to see. I'm sure I've heard amazing things about that movie. Uh, this is, this is a really interesting group, the best animated feature uh, category from this year, but Spider-Man, like I think in any year, I'm not quite sure what animated movie would beat it. Maybe, maybe like toy story. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've, I haven't seen the other three. I've only seen Spider-Man and Incredibles too. But, uh, you know, I'm overdue for a Wes Anderson marathon. Don't then, wait. Yeah, don't don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely be talking about him at some point on here uh, in October. Uh, and Isle of Dogs is a movie that I think will be one of your favorites of Wes Anderson's movies. It's got your boy Brian Cranston, Did- your, guy Bill, your guy Bill Murray, you know, your guy Edward Norton. They're all dogs. It's, it's great. Wes Anderson, I think... What impresses me about him the most is the unbelievable fucking ensembles he can make. I mean, Jesus. It's, it's um, yeah, I've, I've read a lot about this. I've read a lot about, I, I you know, uh, speaking on Texas again, uh, as much as I get really frustrated with this state, like Wes Anderson is one of the bright spots to me. The fact that he was born here and lived, lived some of his life here is, is very important to me. And I think his, his kind of, distinct vision and style just people just want to do it over and over they just want to do it again and again and again uh bill murray owen wilson jason schwartzman francis mcdormand edward norton bruce willis uh bruce willis adding, that's the weirdest yeah, one <laughs> yeah adding adding timothy chalmay to the list uh jeff goldblum f murray abraham adrian brody you know these people who are just fucking lights out all the time he gets them to come back over and over and over. And that is, that is a trait that not a lot of people have uh, yeah. only the, only the auteurs and only the kind of distinct voices and visionaries have that, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're Quentin Tarantino, it's like, yeah, of course, Brad Pitt's can come back. Cause I make awesome movies and I give him an opportunity to do something really special. And Wes Anderson does that <laughs> like over and over in Houston. How could I forget? Uh, uh, Kate Blanchett, all, like all fucking Danny Glover, all these people who have worked with him are just like, they're lights out. <laughs> it's so cool. And 
it really comes down to just, you know, he doesn't write any small parts. Every, every character, no matter how many, how much screen time has something to say, it's got, it's a meaty character than any actor worth their salt would love to play. Yeah. And to have that talent as a writer is rare. And uh, I'm jealous. Yeah. Oh, me too, man. What Wes. And I can't wait for you to kind of take that deep dive into his work. You're going to watch, you know, have you seen Royal Tenenbaums? I have only seen Grand Budapest and the Life Aquatic. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. When you watch, <laughs> when you watch Royal Tenenbaums, you're going to be like, holy shit, Gene Hackman is saying this stuff. You know? <laughs> Gene Hackman is looking at Owen Wilson right in the face and talking about drugs. <laughs> like, fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I love that guy to death. That's the only movie that I think uh, rivals Spider-Man, but still, Spider-Man, I love that we're talking about that movie a lot. I can't wait to one day do that do that movie on here. Um, <laughs> shit, maybe we'll have to do it on here around the time that the new Spider-Man comes out. I don't know. Well, well, maybe we can make something happen. There is enough Spider-Man to cover all of our podcasts. Exactly. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, you know, the 2002, probably my second favorite Spider-Man ever. The original, uh, you know, Tobey Maguire, of course, the best villain they've ever done. Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin uh, was all, was nominated for an Oscar as well. So we could do that, too. I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. Fuck. I love Spider-Man. <laughs> it's my favorite. My favorite on paper superhero. Hands down. I it was when I was a kid, but. Batman has replaced him. And though some people have a problem with that, if you're listening to this, you know who you are. Um. <laughs> i i just yeah i i was raised with marvel and dc in my you know toy chest i don't have it's hard for me to pick favorites i love both those worlds i want to see them both succeed and yeah i just i'm happy anytime i get anything <laughs> yeah i understand that i understand i think i think it was the toys i, I i'm still a child <laughs> I, it was st- it was the toys i had of spider-man I had a toy from the first movie when he goes to the uh, when he first is dressed up as uh, what's he called the human spider. What kind of name is that? <laughs> you had the wrestling outfit. I had I had an action figure where he had the wrestling outfit on, and I was just I was obsessed. I was obsessed with that, uh, and I'll I, I'll never forget that. Uh, I, I got it for Christmas when I was like seven or eight around when that movie came out and I just, I'll never forget it. It's still so special to me that scene, you know, uh, when he, now the guy's going to get away with my money. <laughs> I love that. I love that bit. I saw <laughs> all that stuff from that scene. I saw a meme earlier today where the guy's running through the, the hallway with the, with the gate, with the money. But instead of Peter Parker, it's Bonesaw <laughs> who's there. And he just grabs <laughs> the guy. <laughs> And it says, you're going nowhere. <laughs> I got you for three minutes. Three minutes fucking, of playtime. <laughs> hey, freak show. Fucking Randy Savage. <laughs> I forgot the part where that's my problem. Yeah. God, what a movie. I love that first Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, let's see. Is there anything from this show? Well, fucking hell, man. The best actor category. Can you believe Rami Malek beat Christian Bale, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, and Viggo Mortensen? Come on. Come on. No, I fucking can't. And I have seen all five of these performances. Yeah, me too. (laughs) This was Christian Bale's Oscar and Rami Malek fucking stole it. This is, I will stand by that till the day I die. Vice deserved a best actor win. 
I, I, I'm, I'm like a hundred percent with you. I think, I think here it's Bale, and then Cooper is like somewhere a little below for second, mm-hmm. and then I think Defoe and Mortensen are kind of competing for third, and Raleigh Malik is at the very back. He's at the back, like he's not even close to these guys. The guy didn't even sing. Uh, <laughs> Bradley Cooper actually sang. Come on. <laughs> yeah, not just sang, but fucking directed. Fell in love. Yeah. I mean, they can, they can, you know, pretend all they want. They, there was a, there was a fucking attraction there. You could see it. Oh yeah. There's no way the movie can be that good without it. You know, you're telling me (laughs) Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga are going to do a love story. And then immediately after break up with their significant others. (laughs) Come on. Come on. Both of them. Christian, (laughs) Christian Bale. I'm with you. He, he became Dick Cheney. Yeah, I don't even see and, him in that movie. It's just, yeah. it's Dick Cheney. It's really wild. I love that he has the win for the fighter, but that's a supporting role. I want him to win a lead actor uh, Oscar one day. He's been nominated four times altogether uh, and has that one win for supporting. I, I really want him to get a lead win one day. Uh, he's, to me, one of the most talented guys we have uh, on, on, on the planet right now. And I hate when guys go like that, you know, go and we just kind of like forget and they pass by and we just kind of, ah, we fucked it up. I have a feeling that's going to happen. I think Bradley Cooper is going to have the Peter O'Toole route where he's consistently nominated, but never actually gets one. Yeah. Bradley Cooper definitely has Peter O'Toole in him. That's a really good call. Uh, I mean, Bradley Cooper, when you, when you add up everything uh, because he is a producer for American sniper directed, uh, Stars Born was a producer for Stars Born was also a producer for Joker in 2019. Huh. He's got a lot of nominations. He has eight total nominations. Uh, B Coop has made B-Coop. the right. Yeah, B Coop. He's made the he's made the right moves. Uh, very similar to someone like Warren Beatty, where it's just like, all right, I'm gonna start kind of fucking dabbling in everything. Very similar to what Brad Pitt's done. I'm just gonna kind of do everything. Uh, and it's, I think it's kind of panned out for him. I would just love to see him get a win one day. Same. I do want to point out, Vice might be my favorite trailer of all time. I've gone back oh. and watched it recently just because I'm like... So cool. The tone of that trailer is so perfect. It's you know, fucking the killer song, The Man, is perfectly chosen. It's the, the cadence of his voice. It's like, this is not... Like, what happened to Christian Bale? Like yeah. there's two, there's two dicks. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> it's yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. That's the, that's the biggest snipe out of this. Uh, biggest snub is, is Rami Malek beating Christian Bale. I think for me, I wish Roma would have won best picture, but I, I could also go for vice. I could go for stars born. I could go for the favorite. I could go for black Panther. Just not Green Book or Bohemian Rhapsody. I love that Alfonso went up there three times, though. Yeah. God, what a badass. Alfonso Cuaron, just the fucking man. He's the fucking man. Roma is so good. (laughs) That movie, yeah, yeah, the movie's awesome. I love when a guy goes to the Oscars and then has to, like, bring home his Oscars in a bag. Like, when you have to ask for a bag, you're a fucking superstar. I'm looking at you, Bon Yeah, yeah. Bong definitely was like, I need a bag because I'm trying to get drunk right now and I, I can't I can't leave these. 
<laughs> I have too many of them to just carry around while I'm drinking uh, and, and going to these after parties. Like that's not going to work. Surprised, <laughs> like one of his Oscars was it just like a giant ass flask? The head screws <laughs> off, and he just. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. I love it, man. I love looking at these um, these ceremonies, especially the ones that are recent, because we've kind of seen everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easy to have an opinion on stuff when you've seen everything. You know, last week we did 1946, so it's like we've seen yeah. these Best Picture nominees, but we don't know the whole ceremony. With this, we know pretty much the whole ceremony. Yeah, so it's very cool. Very cool. Pretty much everything here, except for like the you know the short film categories and the docs, but everything else I've I've seen. Yeah, part. man. Yeah, I don't think there's yeah, anything this, here. Yeah, this is a really good foreign language film year. Uh, Roma gets the win. Uh, Shoplifters is fucking incredible. Cold War is fucking incredible. Those are very worth your, you know, worth your time kind of movies. Yeah. Uh, and then that animated category is, is solid. You know, with a Wes Anderson movie, a revolutionary uh, Spider-Man superhero movie, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see. One thing I do want to talk about at this Oscars, Free Solo. Yes, let's definitely, before we get to our awards, let's, let's talk a bit about that best doc, because I know you watched Mind the Gap and Free Solo. I watched about half of Free Solo before I'm like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Mind in the Gap is, is a beautifully woven tale of real identity in a small town in Illinois. Free Solo is an adrenaline junkie's ego trip to climb a giant cave, like giant mountain essentially and i just don't give a shit anybody who's going to do that without any protection any harness anything is asking for trouble and we shouldn't feel bad when they die that is my opinion <laughs> I, yeah i can't really argue with that uh it's it is an adrenaline thing it is like a i have to do this this is like what makes me feel alive eh, well I think I'd rather watch guys skateboard to stay alive. <laughs> you know? Develop a coke habit like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this category is Free Solo, the winner. Uh, Hale County this morning, this evening. Mind the Gap of Fathers and Sons and RBG. I've seen all of these except for of Fathers and Sons. Uh, I've heard that one's really good. RBG is great. I saw that at the Bijou here in San Antonio. Awesome stuff. Uh, Hell County this morning, this evening, fantastic one. That's about essentially about this, this, these people in Hell County, Alabama, about black people living, living in Hell County, Alabama. And it's kind of one of those wake up calls. Like, Oh fuck. I have no idea. Uh, especially as a white person, I have no idea what I'm talking, talking about. I don't know what these people go through. And when you watch a documentary, that's this uh, insightful, it can, it can sort of help. You'll never be able to get into the, the shoes of somebody who's going through racism every day. But to get a glimpse is better than nothing. Yeah, I mean, you can ne- we can never fully understand that struggle. But at the very least, we can attempt to. Try. Try yeah. your hardest to have some kind of context and some kind of understanding. Because uh, it's very real. <laughs> it's yeah. very, very, very real. Do what Janis Joplin did and try just a little bit harder. <laughs> yes, exactly. But, but to me, to me, I'm, I may be biased. I just think mind the gap crushes all of these. I think it, I think it shatters all this stuff. I think mind the gap is one of the most impressive movies from this ceremony. 
and just straight up one of my favorite movies from the past decade uh up to 2010s it's it's so good i love i love that we're here talking about it and what it's kind of opened up the conversations that it opens up and that's just not on this on this episode anytime i've talked about it with uh you know my two older brothers and my younger brother they've all seen it and the conversations we had that have stemmed from it are just incredible um and, and then with my, some of my friends that have been like, okay, I'll watch it. It's on Hulu. You know, they're like, holy shit, Austin, this is fucking awesome. And I'm like, I know, dude, like, you know, it's fucking cool. Like it gets, it gets you kind of amped to talk about something. And that's, that's the very best thing about, about entertainment. You're damn right. I've known for a while that this one was coming. I just didn't know when, because I've known how personal and beloved this film is by you. So I'm glad that you were able to, to have this one. I knew, yeah. I, I knew you were looking forward to this big time and I'm glad I could be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Oscar Sunday is pretty much the only place it can go. It's definitely not a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not a film gasm, wacky genre type, you know, let's, let's just fuck around movie. Uh, and it's not a sneak preview because it's from three years ago. So this is where, this is where it lives. And I'm happy that it's, uh, I'm happy that it's here. That's finally here after, you know, 66 episodes. <laughs> I could, I could have done this for like episode two. <laughs> I, I waited and I waited and I, I, I don't want to, I've done a lot of my personal favorite movies on here, like Chinatown and Moonlight. Um, that's just to name a couple, but this is like, this goes past that. <laughs> it goes past that. If you can believe that. Yeah. I got to do one of my Mount Rushmore films early on. Think, yeah. You know, it's only fair you get to do one of yours. That was a absolute blast. I would even redo Back to the Future just because it was so much fun. Uh, you know, with our new format and everything and how we're kind of doing things, I think uh, I think I would enjoy it even more. You know, it's that, that kind of a movie that each time you watch it, you're just like, oh, this is just a classic. Well, part two was up for visual effects. Yeah. So, no, we'll, we'll definitely do part two. <laughs> Because now that it's here, it's here on Oscar Sunday. Yeah. Sorry, filmgasm. You can't have you can't have Back to the Future. <laughs> You're gonna have to take part three though, because there were yeah. no nominations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part three will have to just appear on 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 anything. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go back to Mind the Gap then. Let's uh, let's do some awards for this movie so we can get out of here. Um, this is interesting because typically, you know, we have a a movie that's written that has it's specifically written for the screen. Uh, today we have a documentary. We are not going to change our awards. It's still going to be the Quentin Tarantino for best quote of the movie. It's going to be the Ennio Morricone award for best music moment of the movie. It's going to be the Philip Seymour Hoffman award for best performance. In this case, it's more who is your favorite person to kind of learn from and watch and the Roger Deakins best scene of the movie. So I'll let you start with your Tarantino. This uh, is a little towards the beginning, closer to the middle, and it's from Zach. Okay. Um, he's, he's talking about skating, but he's also not talking about skating. And he says, Perfect. you fucking have to control the most minute, small details to make you feel normal in a world that's not normal. And yeah, he's talking about how, you know, controlling yourself in skating, but I also felt like he was talking about life itself. And how you are constantly having to tweak your behavior to adjust little things so that you 
reflect what society accepts of you. I mean, expects of you. It's something we all have to do. And there's some, some of us just can handle it better than other people. And I feel like Zach is one of those people who cannot fucking handle that. And he was kind of taught. I thought, I felt he was talking about that, talking about the image he has to put into society and how much he fucking hates it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Oof. I, I also chose a Zach quote. I think Zach says some stuff here that just captures like what's wrong with society and what's like pinpoints the fuck are we doing? Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, and that, that one, I, I almost chose that one. That one blows me away. I also love the, the subtle things that he does. Like when he goes to take the GED test, and he just comes out like, I didn't know what they wanted. I didn't know what they wanted for me. I'm frustrated. It's like, oh, Jesus, dude. I, I took the GED test. Um, I dropped out when I was a sophomore in high school. And very frowned upon by a lot of people that I like around me. And still today, I get looks like, what? You got your GED? You couldn't even finish high school? Well, I didn't want to fucking be there. <laughs> I didn't want to fucking deal with that anymore. I didn't want to be in a classroom anymore. I didn't want, I didn't know, I didn't know what I wanted, but it wasn't that. And I relate to him in that sense. And that's kind of why I chose a quote from him. I think he has the most profound stuff to say, even though he's probably the most fucked up. Um, that might be why he has the most profound shit to say. Probably, probably, right? It's like when you, yeah, <laughs> you just get drilled over and over and over. You're eventually going to be like, oh, I get it. I just don't, I'm not going to actually do anything because uh, fuck you. And that's kind of Zach's attitude. Yeah. Uh, I chose at the very beginning of the film. It's one of the, one of the, it's pretty much the first monologue we get from Zach when he's skating on a rooftop and he's like fucking just, just messing around, just being a goofball. And he, he's in the, his voice is in the background and he says, your whole life society tells you, be a man. You're strong and you're tough and margaritas are gay. You know, you know what I mean? You don't grow up thinking that's the way that you are, though. When you're a kid, you just do. You just act. And then somehow, somewhere along the line, everyone loses that shit. <laughs> Fuck. That was, yeah, that was profound. I remember that. Ugh. And that's a, that's a tone setter for the movie. Or you're you're about to watch some 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 shit. You're about to watch some hell. Uh, be unleashed, and he's like, uh, nah, like he's just kind of nah. He just kind of keeps, nah, like yeah. what is this? What are you doing? What is this? What is this? And that's that's why he drinks. That's why he is just escaping all the always escaping, always trying to escape. Yeah. He goes to he he moves to Denver, Colorado. And works at a sandwich shop just to escape his own his own mess. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah. It's again, I know I, I hate coming back to this, but it's just so hard to avoid it. That's my fucking dad. He he never grew up. He felt I don't, you know, he he saw me and my mom and thought, I can't do this. I don't have it in me to grow up right now. And he never looked back. My, my dad's been just playing around, you know, he's almost 50 and he's yeah. just fucking around with no, like there's so much he doesn't have. I don't want to get into personals here, 
but it's it's for me it's given me kind of a model of like what not to do almost and i have such a low bar for success Mm. it's fucking crazy man i have Mm. the fact that i even like may you know everything i've done up to this point in my life everything that's led here is not all of it was carefully thought out but i gave you know a second or third you know thought to it and thought is this going to be important to me in five years 10 years like is this going to matter and my dad never did that. My dad never mm. thought anything through. And uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those things constantly kind of looming over my shoulder. Yeah. It's just the way I was, just how I got to, you know, it's, it's the life I was dealt. It's the hand I was dealt. Yeah. But it is interesting that, you know, I saw so much of that in Zach and it made me think like, this fucking happens a lot. It's, yeah. I'm not alone here. Yeah. This, this happens so much. It's, it's bonkers. And yeah, Zach did bring up the interesting idea that like, as a kid, you don't really understand what growing up means. Like you think, you know, I get to have my own house. I get to have a job. Yay. I get to make decisions. But then there's a certain point in your life where you grew up and you don't really know when it was, but it happens to all of us. And then one, you know, one second, we're a kid, something happens. Now we're an adult. Now we got to deal with shit. And it's just, it's interesting. It kind of made me try to think back into my life. Like, when was it? When was yeah. the moment where I'm like, yeah, childhood's gone. Now I have to start ma- taking things a little seriously. And <laughs> that was fucking profound. <laughs> Extremely. Zach, Zach, again, for all like kind of the tomfoolery that he's fucking just, <laughs> that he's just, handing out he says some stuff that is like wolf it it just breaks through society it just breaks through like what we believe to be normal yeah and uh it's 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 kind of it's like you know when you see something so like haunting it's beautiful like that's that's zach that's zach it's like joe rogan stoner logic but it makes sense very much. That's a lot of this movie. A lot of this movie is like, yeah, bro, like, whoa. But it's like, holy fuck, when you really break it down, this is yeah. this person's life. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, it's absolute trip. I was, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was fully expecting to coast through this one with the show. I'm like, skateboarding documentary. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to figure out some shit to say. And we're going to do this episode. <laughs> But then, you know, I got drawn into it and I started seeing my own family and my own history <laughs> and my own decisions in life. And I'm like, fuck, this is real. This is going to be a real, this is going to be a significant episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's one of our most significant yet, man. Yeah. Um, and you know what? You know what's so, at this point to me, the piece that puts this movie together is the music. Hmm. The score is pretty subtle there's a little bit of a soundtrack you know we get we get video life as kind of the intro song that's really cool really cool touch but the score is like almost unsettling because it's so so slow and so thought-provoking you know when they're skating through and it's just a piano just kind of 
tugging away at your heart. I had a real hard time with my Ennio Morricone. I had a really, really hard time. What do you got? I'm right with you. I changed mine about three times. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) And I had to go with a moment. And this is something I've never seen in a documentary before, but, you know, I've I've seen 19 of them. So the the fuck do I know? But still, (laughs) um, (laughs) the score was utilized in a way to juxtapose two different scenes together. And I've, mm. I don't see that in documentaries. And it's when Kier is in the graveyard looking for his father's tombstone and oh. Zach is at the lake uh, responding to whether or not he was abusive towards Nina. And the music reinforces both of these very different situations that are happening at the same time on screen, but it works so well for both of them. And I was floored. God. Fuck, man. Yeah, that one's called Lessons and Losses. There you go. Uh, Jesus Christ. That shit is mind-blowing when you're watching Kier just crying as he can't find the the grave. He can't find it. And Zach is kind of unraveling, admitting. Yeah. He he says at one point, sometimes you got to just hit a bitch. And you're like, what? Holy fuck, he just said it out loud. This whole thing throughout this whole documentary we've been wondering did he hit her did he abuse her was there a reason for nina screaming back at him sure enough there was he fucking admitted it he fucking admitted the same thing to the same thing that that fathers and males do over and over and over and over and over and what his own dad did in his own life he's just he's just becoming a fucking statistic you know he's admitting it right there to being's face on camera while drinking like it's just like what the fuck and Kier is like this innocent soul looking for his dad who's dead underground it's like god i chose the same thing man i chose the exact same thing that has to be the enyo i think i think the theme music is is gorgeous is stunning and and can it just pulls you in right you're like oh fuck this is a movie here we go but the that specific piece the lessons and losses and this is a Incredible score by Nathan Halpern and Chris Ruggiero. Ru- Ruggiero. I, hats off to those guys. That they're they're like the. Sometimes a movie has a missing character, and right here there is no missing character because like they fill it in. They fill it in perfectly, and I think that scene, like you're saying, where it's just two polar opposite things happening at once, but somehow it fucking meshes. That's the power of music. That's the power of emotion, and I had to choose the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's powerful, especially since, you know, Zach's admitting this to Bing, who was fucking abused and hates yep. that like, the whole movie has been trying to find out, like, is one of my best friends one of these people? Is he a monster? And I mean, I can't imagine, you know, finding out that about a good friend. Like, I don't know how I would handle that. Mm. It'd be, you know. Do you throw away decades of of love and respect? Or, like, do you stick by your beliefs? Like, what do you do? I can't, I I hope I never have to make that decision. But Zach being completely, like, doesn't even seem to register the fact that, like, you're you're admitting being an abusive asshole to somebody who was beaten by their stepdad. Just, God, you want to shake him. You want to be yeah, like, you dude, really wake do. the fuck up. 
Yeah. But, oh, yeah. All, yeah. Without without really going into it being, I don't want to say any names or anything, but I've, I've definitely definitely gone through that where I've learned stuff about friends or people I know that's makes me question whether or not I should even talk to them uh, along those exact lines of abuse. Uh, it's just, it's scary how, as you get older, it's scary how much more normal it is than you realize. Uh, so fucked up. Uh, and the fact that this documentary can like just confronts that head on, like being Lou is like, I'm on a mission to make a really cool skate documentary, but I'm also on a mission to find out why is this happening over and over and over? Like it's a fucking pattern that we're just okay with. And that, that shit will make you stay up at night for sure. Where you just wonder, you just wonder what am I supposed to do in this, in this situation? Do I help this person or do I cut them off? You know? And Bing Lu films that. <laughs> he fucking he takes our favorite thing, which is film, which is cinema, which is movie, entertainment, and he puts the hardest thing that you can kind of think about. And he fucking uh, you know, Mind in the Gap's one of the scariest horror movies I've ever seen. Uh I love I I, I love genre films, but there's nothing scarier than than real life than looking down, you know, looking down the tunnel yeah. and seeing, oh, oh fuck, this is this is really happening. Yeah. That re- that realization. I'll take Freddy Krueger the fucking Baba Duke over like a complete violation of trust of somebody I've known for decades. Exactly. Like, I couldn't handle that. That it would shake my worldview. It would make me realize like like I don't know fucking anybody. Yeah, it definitely makes you question who's around you and what do I really know? Yeah. And Kira, Kira says that, which, fuck it, let's go to the PSH. Mine's Kira, uh, hands down. He says at one point later in the film, he's like, Zach's supposed to be my homie, and I don't even know who he is. I don't even know who he is. Because he, he does this, he says this, he says he's all about like standing up for what's right, and da 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 But then he goes and does this. So it's like, what the fuck? And, and Kira, ah, Kira Johnson, he just rattles me, just rattles my core. I've, I've never, I've never been more impressed by a fucking person. Like I spoke about it earlier, just this, the, the odds stacked against him as great as they possibly can be. And yet here he is washing dishes, becoming a waiter, moving to Denver, becoming a professional skateboarder. Fuck. Yeah, man. You're, he is He's a role model. That guy, that guy's a role model. Yeah. Straight up, man. Uh, his journey was fascinating. Um, my PSA, my, look, my PSH went to Elliot, the baby. That is a talented little infant. I'm talking yeah. Mine is also cure. Mine's also cure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of knew. I was like, Connor's going to love Kier Johnson. He's going to love that guy. Like, how can you not when just the way he laughs, his laugh is like, Oh yes. Like he makes me excited. He makes me excited for life. There's just watching him skate is, is joy. It's just joy. There's an optimism in the way he, way he presents himself, the way he talks with his friends, the way he laughs, 
But underneath that, you can feel so much pain, so yep. much anger, so much resentment. And I just, I, I kept waiting for it to bubble over, but it really doesn't. He, he keeps himself in check. He keeps himself in control because he knows that nothing good will come of that. And I mean, that, like you said, he's a fucking role model. That's something to, to admire. Somebody who kind of channel that pain to make his life better. Yeah. Yeah. And he says stuff, he says stuff over and over that I'm like, fuck man. He, he, at one point is hanging out with some buddies and he's like, Oh, I just remembered something cool that my dad said. Uh, it, being black, you get to prove people wrong every day. I love that line. <laughs> man. That shit is outstanding. He, he could take, he could, Go, he could, you know, think however he wants to think, be as angry as he wants to be, but yet he chooses to be positive with this and say, I can prove people wrong over and over. That one scene where he's at a barbecue and the white lady starts playing like some super racist shit from her phone. And he like the white her white friends are laughing and Kier's just over there kind of like, you know, hurt, clearly hurt, but not saying anything. And I just my heart went out to him, man. Like, like he said, like he said something about like, they like, don't let them, you know, for don't let them make you forget you're black or something like that. Yeah. I didn't expect that to come into play in this film, but it made sense. And it, it, it was a part of the story that you couldn't just ignore. No, and no, I appreciated being actually going there. Yeah, yeah. Bing Bing has that one scene where he kind of points it out. He like it's like hits, you know, he like it's like really on the nose, but he's like, look, man, I I kind of saw myself in you. Cause he's a little bit he's quite a bit older than Kier. Uh being Bing is like five years older. He's like, look, I, I, I saw myself in you. And that's why I wanted to know about you and your past and your childhood and what you've gone through because I've gone through something similar with abuse and neglect and just kind of feeling out of place. Like I get it. And Kira looks at him and he's like, Whoa, man, that's really cool. Bing. Like, that's really cool. Like the fact that you see that and me and like, we can have that. That's a cool bond. You know? And Kira Johnson was at the fucking 91st Academy Awards. He was there. He really? At, yes, he was at that ceremony. Oh, like that was was he Bing's plus one? Yeah, yeah. It was just them. T- it was just them too, and that that gives me chills. That gives me straight up chills, knowing that like that dude, this fucking skater from Rockford, Illinois, that just society wants to spit on and not not even deal with. He was at the fucking Oscars. This uppity, you know, like look at us. He was there. Fuck you. He, you know, you know, really cool. Did he get one of those like $300,000 gift bags? Oh, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt uh, it. Uh, so cool. Yeah. To me, Kier is, I think being Lou obviously is like doing the most. I mean, he's the director, he's filming everything. He's, he's the visionary and he's also in it and has some really cool stuff. But between, you know, all these people who get a lot of screen time, I think Kier is just the fucking man. He's the man. And anytime I watch this, I'm just 
inspired. I'm inspired by his, his words and the way he operates and the relatability of him, you know, being scared to move out, being scared to not be able to make rent, you know, being scared of letting people down. Those things are, those are human things. Those are, those are things that are very real and very honest as a young male. You're like, Oh, like, fuck, I'm supposed to be this. I'm supposed to be this masculine, like, Oh, here we go. And he's not that he's not that he's like a very interesting, delicate soul that can skate very well. well. I hope like our generation is, is went a long way towards kind of crushing those views of traditional masculinity, traditional femininity. We very much embraced individual identity and yeah i I fucking love that like the fact that i can you know openly admit like yeah you know fucking i don't know toy story three made me cry i shouldn't be ashamed to say that and i don't i don't feel ashamed to say that and i'm glad i I I. this was like 1958 if i said that i'd be fucking jumped tomorrow you'd never see me again yeah 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 there's a scene where zach's talking and he's like oh just keep working and the emotions will go away (laughs) yeah Oh, fuck. I'm going to put Zach this does... over here and then one day I'll die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Z- Zach does that voice a lot and it's really funny. It's like, he's like, her, her, her. It's like, what is that? Oh, man. Ugh, so good. Yeah. Kier, man. Kier is uh, uh, Oscar Sunday legend at this point. Uh, you're Deacons. This is the hardest thing for me to choose that we've ever done. <laughs> it's, it's the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling this was going to be a toughie for you. Um, for me, I knew it the second it happened. And it is when Kier finds his father's tombstone. Because he immediately regresses. All of his, you know, optimism, all of his bravado, all of it disappears. And he is a scared little boy who lost his father. And what a, I know he's not an actor. I know it wasn't fake, but just, holy Christ, what a powerful moment. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't, like, I started thinking about, you know, if my, if my dad died tomorrow, what's the last thing I said to him? I don't, I don't remember. You know, it made me want to give him a call and be like, Hey, it's happening. <laughs> just to make sure, you know, always tell your loved ones how much you care about them. Cause you never know if the last thing you said to them could have been some negative shit that you're going to regret for the rest of your life. Exactly. Just, yeah, it really, one of the very, one of the many scenes in this film that got into my head. Yeah. Me too. (laughs) Me too, man. That's a, it's a great pick. Uh, You know, I really wrote down, I wrote, I wrote the whole movie, (laughs) (laughs) but I, but I I got, I got to choose a scene. And as we've been talking, um, I think, that opening kind of uh, sorry, I can't think of the word, uh, the opening kind of tracking shot of, of all of them skating. I love skateboarding so much. I miss it. I miss skating a lot. And I miss that inevitable bond that it creates that you know we're just we're, we're doing this thing that a lot of people don't like and it's looked at as rebellious pairing that you know these guys just kind of shredding through rockford pairing that with the with the piano uh and then i have the 
I have the advantage of seeing the movie over and over that I, I know what's coming after. So watching that opening scene is like, it's like uh, the calm before the storm and it's placed so perfectly. And the, the, the title card of, you know, mining the gap over the city is like just such a perfect touch. And I, I couldn't live with, I really couldn't live without it, man. I couldn't live without this movie. It's so important to me. And I've been, very grateful to talk about it on this episode. This episode went way longer than I anticipated. Uh, but at the same time, I knew somewhere in my heart, it's like, there's, there's a lot here though. It's an hour and a half, but there's about two weeks of shit to unpack. You know, um, it is, it is a wild ride. It's on Hulu always will be on Hulu. Uh, you can buy it on criterion.com. You can, find interviews all over the place of these guys. This shit is important. Storytelling is very important. And opening up yourself to these guys' lives uh, is one of the, one of the, one of the best things you can do. Cause it'll, it'll teach you something. It'll give you some sort of re- relatability while also showing you, Holy hell, you know, this is a, this is someone's life that I just, I, I have no, I have no knowledge of. And that's, that's one of my favorite things art can do. So I have been very grateful to do this movie. I've had a blast with you, man. Uh, but the whole movie itself is the Deacons. You know, it's the whole hour and a half. That's, that's for sure. That's fantastic. I love the passion. That's ultimately what this is all about is passion. And yeah, it's clearly felt here. I, gee, I wonder what your score is going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Five <laughs> stars on Letterboxd. Always has been. Uh, a movie that's very well reviewed on Letterboxd, which is great, which is cool. Uh, it's nice to have a movie you that you have always liked be well received on there, you know? Because yeah. there are some movies I love that people just tear to shreds. And I'm like, ah, fuck, <laughs> my heart. <laughs> always makes me laugh. Like, yeah. But I'm always like, you know, I found something in this that you didn't. So who won really here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Minding the Gap is an eight for me. Um, it's a fantastic, insightful look into three very real, very damaged, but not irreparably, like, lives. Yeah. And uh, I'm very glad that I finally watched this and that, you know, it's helped me kind of push me for, like, push me further into documentaries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was going to happen eventually. There, it just needed, I needed a tipping point. There's more like this, you know, there's more that are like narrative driven the way this, this documentary is. I think you'll find, find out that, Oh shit. You know, there, there's a whole nother kind of level to documentary making, you know, and this kind of filmmaking is so special and can teach you a whole, whole lot. Uh, while also providing, you know, really cool cinematography, really cool direction, really cool dialogue. You know, it, it can it can give you all that stuff, too. Fuck yeah, man. All, basically, for me, an entirely new genre of film that I've ver- barely tapped into has now been open to me. And that is like fucking finding yourself on Jurassic Park. So I'm yeah. yes. excited. <laughs> Life finds a way. <laughs> 
Oh man. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, this is amazing. This is my, one of my favorite things we've ever done uh, on anything filmgasm related. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. Next week is, is no, no sleeper. <laughs> uh, one of my, one of my favorite kind of movie minds is, is Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader has written a lot of cool movies, has directed a few cool movies, and, and his new film, The Card Counter, comes out next week. That'll probably get talked about on Sneak Preview. Yeah. So be. right before that, so the Sunday before that, you know, next weekend, uh, I want to talk about Taxi Driver. I want to go. I want to go to 1976. I want to go to the, the 49th Academy Awards. Taxi Driver was nominated for four Oscars, and I want to talk about probably Paul Schrader's masterpiece when it comes to writing. Uh, Martin Scorsese, of course, the director of Taxi Driver, but he didn't write a lick of it. <laughs> it is it is all all Paul Schrader. He didn't have any help. It was just him, and is one of the most you know intense dialogue driven fucking one man show movies you can ever ever encounter and and one of my favorite scorsese directed movies of all time maybe my favorite uh, i love the last waltz another documentary that he directed but as far as you know feature films you know narrative based films fictional films taxi driver is probably my favorite scorsese movie so to go to this place not just for you know scorsese's sake but for paul schrader a guy who just gets overlooked from his era. Uh, a guy who's only been nominated one time uh, for first reformed. Uh, he was up for best screenplay. So that disappoints me a lot that he hasn't been kind of spotlighted more. He wrote raging bull, like fucking, you know, this guy, him and Scorsese had a really, or still do have a really cool friendship. Scorsese is producing or produced uh, the card counter. So I feel like this is the right place to go. Uh, I've wanted to do Taxi Driver forever on this show, and it feels like the time is now. So please come back next week for episode 67, talking about Taxi Driver, a 70s classic. Oh, you know, there's certain when you tell people you have a podcast based on the Oscars, certain movies are going to be expected. Yeah. Taxi Driver is one of those films where people are like, so you did Taxi Driver, right? Like, well, now, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) we had a lot to talk about first yeah yeah for sure and there's so many cool ass movies yeah (laughs) so So much has just been touched even a little bit by the oscars that the there's a limitless like rainbow of films here that we have access to talk about so we don't always have to do these you know expected classics but still it's fun to dive into you know a legendary film like taxi driver which I have only yes. seen one time, so this will be fun. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an absolute blast, man. Uh, what what do we have tomorrow on sneak preview, and what's going on this week? Well, obviously, big fat Marvel movie came out. Yeah. Uh, so tomorrow, Caleb and I will be talking Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Very uh, nice. Which spoiler alert, fucking rocked. So <laughs> it's gonna be a fun episode. Um, and then on Wednesday's Filmgasm, uh, it's Caleb and I again digging into one of his all-time favorite films, 2000's Pitch Black, starring Vin Diesel as Richard B. Riddick. Old Dick Riddick is coming on Wednesday. There we and, go. Yeah. 
it's going to be an interesting film. Uh, interesting episode. That's for goddamn sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, this was this was fun. This was um, what's the term? Uh, ah, cathartic. Yeah. There we go. Cathartic. Yeah. 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 There we go. Hundred percent, man. I've been I've been wanting to do this since I first watched the movie. Yeah. Before I even knew what filmgasm was. <laughs> You're just like, I got to talk about this thing. Ah! <laughs> Why are we yelling? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it's definitely like that. I knew you when I saw this in 2018. I had met you, but I hadn't, I, we hadn't, we hadn't done all that. You know, we hadn't created this podcast journey yet. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> well, I'm I feel, I feel okay. Out. I can go to sleep now. <laughs> uh. Fuck yeah. Uh, watch this movie, everybody. Even if you're not really into documentaries, this is a heartwarming tale of just life itself. So go ahead and sure. check that out. It's worth it. Hulu will always have it. It's a Hulu exclusive. And um, thank you so much. I hope you got something out of this. God knows we did. Uh, we'll see you next week. Peace.